Hello, friends. Welcome to a tradition unlike any other. From Studio Two at One Mount Pleasant in Toronto, Ontario, Sportsnet proudly presents the Tim and Friends Show. Hello, friends. Come on down our own Magnolia Lane. 330 yards to the Tim and Friends Clubhouse. Over in Jesse's cabin is our good friend, the great Mr. Rubinoff. And while you may feel like the aroma of azaleas will overwhelm your senses, that's actually chicken fingers, fries, and dill pickle chips left over from Sid Sixero. But a hearty congratulations yes. to Sid and yes. the entire Breakfast Real Television clap. crew who took home the Canadian Screen Award for Best Morning Show. Third year running for that crew. Three years in a row. It's dominance. That is absolute dominance. Yeah. So uh, good to our friends over at City TV for a third straight year. Best morning show, and for those wondering, Tim and Friends award nominated this year, but fell short to a lovely documentary, Nike's Big Bet, from CBC's Passionate Eye. You watch mm-hmm. those CBC Passionate Eye documentaries. Mm-hmm. They are scrumptious. That my chef's kiss to them. A congratulations and a tip of the cap to Paul Kemp and Corey Russell for winning in our category for best show. Now try doing it five times a week. <laughs> Not that I'm, I'm bitter or anything. Maybe I'll just put the chair. <laughs> Can't take away the nomination, though. And you already have one. Five, five times. I wanted it for the team. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right? For yeah. Jesse Rubinoff, for Thomas Dobby, for Jason Sands and John Coleman. I'd roll with this crew anytime. In fact, we will roll down to the Rogers Center tomorrow for the Jays' home opener and an hour's worth of whole grain goodness leading into Blue Jays Central. For the home opener, I've heard some rumors, Jesse, of just who might pop by, Mm. and you are going to want to tune in or set the old PVR tomorrow because we got a couple nice guests. Speaking of the Jays and the Canadian Screen Awards, the last two winners of Best Canadian Play-By-Play Announcer will join the fray today. That's right, Dan Shulman and Matty Devlin. Elliot Friedman's time will come. I'm kidding. I think he's got one of those bad boys. Even if he doesn't, he's got a great gig. He's got a better podcast and an even better family. He's dropping by our number two. Sens, Habs, Leafs, Canucks, Oilers, and Flames all hitting the ice tonight. The last four on the Sportsnet family of channels. Stay tuned. Out of very interesting Raptors and Sixers games mm-hmm. on Sportsnet Ontario. And I think we got a show. And tonight. And I haven't even mentioned Eldrick Tiger Woods. Lay down the remote, get settled in like Eldrick at a Florida Perkins in the early 2000s because this bad boy is about to get underway. And we begin the festivities as we always do with first things first. So, lead the way, Bob Tway. Very nice. Golf reference. First things first. First. I'm wearing pink in support of Tiger. 
Today, easily one of my favorite days of the year. Clearly, the first round so of the you're Masters. Wearing, you're, you're wearing under, pink in, in support of Tiger? That's correct. It's, Usually it's red, but today he wore a mock neck pink. Oh, I see. Bright, today, right, yeah. Same shade Understood, and understood, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the first round of the Masters underway after a short Wait, hold on. Del- what? Are, are you doing highlights here? Yeah, I was about to. Are, are we doing the update? We are doing an update. The o- there is only one way on this show to do an update on what's going on at Augusta. Oh. And that is with our old friend, Chris Vernon. Chris, what's going on at Augusta? Yeah, that's what's going on at Augusta. <laughs> going on at Augusta. That's what's going on at Augusta. What's going on at Augusta. What a way to get hyped, Timmy. Opening round of the Masters, Tiger Woods making his first competitive start since his car accident on February 23rd, 2021. The five Jesse, tell me what's going on at Augusta. Augusta. Suffered multiple fractures to his right leg. We discussed that. that ad nauseum this week. Top par four fifth, Tiger at even par. Approach from 218 yards. It is a beauty. Finds a green, sets up a birdie putt. And Woods, yeah, what? What's going on? Just trickling down, smiling. You'd love to see Tiger smiling at Augusta. Ensuing putt Tiger looking for his first birdie of the day. And the early walk. Oh, no. You don't see the early walk from Tiger when he misses it. I'm waiting 17 months for that walk, Very, very, very rare. 17 months for that walk. So the smile turns to disappointment. On the next hole, Tiger bounces back. The greatest iron player of all time with a perfect tee shot leads to his first birdie as he moves to one under par and just woo, woo. Somewhere my dad is yelling Mo Norman at the screen. <laughs> Mo, Norman. Mo, Norman. Mo Norman was exceptional. An exceptional player. We're going to talk about iron play. Par 5, 13th. Woods now back at even par. Second shot approach. On the dance floor leads to a two-putt birdie. He moves back to one under par at the Masters. What are we doing? What are we doing here? One under par at the Masters. The bogey on 14. Woods back at even par. Long look at birdie at the 16th. And Timmy back of the cup drains it. Moves back to one under for the third time in the round. Like this and is the vintage fist pumps. This is jaw dropping. It is jaw dropping. I hope people understand just how crazy it is what we're witnessing. To the golfers not named Tiger, par 4 9. Joaquin Neiman was playing with Tiger. Second shot from the fairway. Woo! Lands up on a slope and rolls back, finds a cut for the eagle. They did show other golfers besides they, Tiger? They did, yeah. But, and these guys got a lot of shine because they were in the feature group. And that's the eagle from Joaquin Neem drops a three under. How about our boy Cam Smith, par three sixteenth in the lead. And this guy was dialed all day long. Tee shot right next to the pin leads to his fourth birdie in five holes. Moves to six under par. He, he was on today. Aside from number one, number 18, he bogeyed. Yeah, par five thirteenth. Listable Ontario is Corey Connors. Drops the birdie putt. A little bit of a horse for the course we were talking about before the show. Speaking of how to play at the Masters. And here's Tiger on 18. This left for par. What a return. 71 for Tiger. 
What do you say? Incredible and a phenomenal. I mean, what other words can you pick an adjective? Amazing. You very quickly run into words to describe what we are seeing. One under 71 in his first competitive round since November of 2020, within striking distance of the lead, heading into Friday. And now, I mean, there's plenty of holes left, but it seems like the focus shifting to maybe he's actually going to compete for this thing and not really be in danger of missing the cut. Cam Smith, as mentioned, 68 to pace the way. DJ is on the course right now, just finished the 10th. They're tied at four under, but Cam Smith bogey, double bogeyed one, was lights out for the next 60 holes, and then double bogeyed 18. A lot of good players up on that board, but Tim, it's all about Tiger, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, Shout out Corey Connors, and we'll see how he ends up finishing. As yeah. you mentioned, a horse for the course. Definitely great iron play. He strikes the ball really well, which gives him a shot at this trek. And Tiger Woods apparently is among those players. Like, I want to sit here and say, like, average ball speed measured off of his driver was around 165. That's lower than the mm-hmm. tournament, excuse me, the tour average. And that should be a warning sign. Um the recovery that he's about to go through is probably a warning sign. Like you saw him after the round talking about what was next. And he said a lot of ice. Uh, The wind is supposed to kick up in the afternoon. But I thought all of that going into this round and Tiger Woods just blew me. Like you and I talked the over and under on round one Mm -hmm. was 75. And we were like, yeah, that's probably around where he's going to end up because he's got screws and bolts. And th- it's Tiger Woods. We should never doubt Tiger Woods. And this is evidence once again. Like what he just did with the best players in the world on one of the toughest courses in the world. I thought we would get more from 18. I know they're golf clap people. Mm-hmm. And to get on to Matt, I know they charge nothing for their food, but to get on the course as a patron, it's like $1,000 per round. Yeah. Like, it's not cheap. So you're not going to get the rowdy uh, TPC Scottsdale folks, waste management open, going absolutely bananas. I thought we would get more at 18 because what you just saw was absolute history that even though I knew it was Tiger, I didn't expect. Did you expect one under? Uh, like you're a tiger, like you're a call the doctor after four hours tiger fan. Yes, no, no question. Uh, I was hesitant after his tee shot on one, but going into the going into the tournament, I had no idea what to expect. Just like everybody else, like I can't sit here and say that I had any real expectation other than hoping that he would perform admirably because no one's really seen him play. Right. But this guy has this like innate ability to just rise to the occasion. Like, he's in pain. You talked about how he's going to have to ice himself after this round. Like, it's incredibly difficult to, to understand the pain that he must be going through. Yet, somehow, he lost the pop on his driver. But he somehow finds a way to get it done. Like, he's the best putter in clutch situations of all time. You saw that on 18. There were a couple other putts that he just made. And you knew they were going in because that's what he does. Listen, he knows Augusta well, but what you're talking about here is reimagining your game after, like, 90 rounds. I think this is his 91st competitive round on Augusta, and he's having to reimagine what he does Mm -hmm. on that course 
because he doesn't have the, like even in the practice rounds they were talking about around 170 to 176 were the measured ball speeds miles per hour off of the club head of the driver in in his prime even when he was coming back from the <laughs> the spinal fusion yeah. that precedes what we're talking about in the leg he was in the eight, 180s and when he was in his prime, he was going 185, 186. So, like, that's 10 miles an hour that we're talking about mm-hmm. off of where he was. And he's still finding a way to get around this course. Now, listen, he's going to have pain. He's going to have to deal with that pain. And he's going to have to figure out how to do it in the wind, in a tough, seemingly, in a tough environment tomorrow with some pain. But I am never betting against Tiger Woods. And, and that was one of the most famous bets that Sid and I had was me saying I'll never bet against Tiger Woods. If you think he's never going to win a major again, give me that bet. And he won the major again. Yeah. And here he is doing it again where we're just like, it's, it's jaw-dropping. Yeah, it it's just in- incredible. Uh, Justin Ray, a statistician for, for golf, says 11th time Tiger Woods has opened the Masters with a score under par. Previous 10 finishes, four wins, T4 or better seven times. And nine top tens. So we are looking good from Tiger's perspective after 18 holes. And a reminder, uh, we have Tiger Woods and Cam Smith in the pinata picks at 75 to 1. So not so bad. Big deal early. Also, also uh, so the pinata picks are just Jesse getting a bunch of numbers. And now he's up there. Uh, getting 75 to 1 on all of those picks in front of you. As we try I would rather Tiger... Win. I guess contest. Tiger's on the board, so that works for me. But I was going to say, if Cam Smith wins, like, I'm, I'm going to be okay with it. I'd rather have Tiger win, obviously, even if Tiger was uh, on, I'll say, on I'll board. say this. Every time that Tiger has won the Masters, five times, he has been in the 70s mm-hmm. in his opening round. He was in the 70s. Love it. In his we're going to have round. to figure, from now until Monday, if he's still in contention, we're going to have to figure out adjectives and different words we can use to describe it because quickly people are going to start running out of words like Nick Faldo had a hard time describing it there on 18. Um, What do you think of the patrons that walk around the course with their spikes on? I didn't even know that they did that. Is that a thing? You didn't know that? I didn't know that. There are uh, there are patrons around the course who will wear their golf shoes. It's such a tough look. To a golf event. Yeah I know. You had me so jacked up over the last couple days, Jesse Rubinoff. Oh, no. I, over the, I, I, I legitimately had no idea. This I decided that I would. Oh, my God. Those are nice. Bring the old spikes wow. out for today's show. Of course they're Jordans. Of course. Those are nice. Are you marking up the, the floor, though? It's a wood floor here. Does it help me? Careful. Nope. <laughs> but they're very Tim McAuliffe golf shoes. Those so look, I am wearing the spikes nice. today in honor of Tiger Woods That's and the douchebags who wear their spikes <laughs> while watching. It's like going to a hockey game and wearing skates. That's I don't so get bad. it. No, that's so bad. I'm going to have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, so <laughs> hey, look, I got my wheels on. <laughs> so good. What are you uh, doing? Thank you for that surprise. Um, let's go to the Blue Jays for now, as hard as it is to move on from Tiger. The Blue Jays worked out at Rogers Center today ahead of tomorrow's opener against the Rangers. And a reminder, Tim will be hosting tomorrow's show live from Rogers Center at 5 Eastern time. The Jays also announced their opening day 28-man roster today. No big surprises. Nate Pearson and Ryan Barucki will begin the season on the injured list. And they're going with three catchers, including the newly acquired 
Zach Collins. Plenty of excitement surrounding this team heading into the season. And Ross Atkins talked about why he thinks this year's team is better than last year's. I think the thing that makes us a better team is the belief that our players have and the progress that our players that were here have made. And the additions are just a piece of the puzzle um, and very important parts of, of us having success. Uh, but the thing that we're, um, I, I guess, the most excited about is just that belief that our players have and that faith uh, and desire to win. Bold words from uh, Ross Atkins. What are you most looking forward to at tomorrow's opener? Uh, the opportunity for Jays fans. Yeah. Like, listen, this is going to be a team that's going to have to play 162 like the rest. Um, but there is an excitement around this franchise right now. And full capacity is one thing. But just the full 162 games, 81 of which will be played at home. This will be the first time since 2019. Think about it. We're in 2022. This is the first time since 2019 that the Jays will have the opportunity to play home a full home slate at the Rogers mm -hmm. Center. And that to me is kind of why we love sports is the ability one to go down there and two to watch on TV and have the ambiance that goes with it. And listen, uh, actually sold out non-pandemic restrict restricted capacity uh, hasn't been sold out since March 29th, 2018. Wow. That's unbelievable. What right? is that? Like, think of where we're at right now. So to be there, I just, it'll be, uh, it'll be very, very cool to be there tomorrow. I don't even know if it's sold out yet. I don't know what the numbers are. Mm -hmm. And I know that numbers in COVID are climbing, so people might be scared to go down tomorrow yeah. uh, or be wearing their masks tomorrow. And I'll, listen, it's just, I hope we get to the point where in the middle of the summer, you and I can go down, feel good, and do the old thing again because this will be fun to watch this team. No question. Uh, you know what I'm looking forward to most, other than the fans, because it's a good point? Placataz, because there's going to be many placataz this season with this team. A lot of big boppers in that lineup. How, uh, how long have you been practicing that? Why was it good? It, was, it, was it just bad. came to me right now. There was some I hadn't been practicing action. Yeah. There, there was a little, little bit of It went hesitation. from here in my brain all the way to here. I was sitting on it just making sure I was going to pronounce it properly. Uh, well, no hesitation here. We actually have highlights for it. Although, oh, it's opening day, right? Yankees yeah. Red Sox postponed today. They didn't get their opening day, but we did have an opening day in Chicago, Wrigley Field. Brewers and the Cubs will start us off in 2021. NL Cy Young Award winner Corbin Burns making his first career opening day start. Bottom of the fifth, Seiya Suzuki. This guy's already a five-time Japanese All-Star at 27 years old. Five gold gloves, two batting titles. There's his first major league hit later in the frame. Nico Horner with a homer. Do you do the first of the year thing in the opening game of the year? Yeah. Probably not. Bottom seven now tied at three, two on Ian Happ. He goes to the Ivy. Both runners score, and Wrigley Field is going bonkers. Although we're in the uh, top of the eighth right now, and it has been cut to a 5-4 ball game. So back and forth between the Brewers and the Cubs as we get opening day highlights so nice. here 
on Tim and Friends. This is a crazy time of year. We just wrapped up March Madness. You got the Masters going on right now. Opening day today. It's mm-hmm. just, it's amazing. It's well, a dream. Hockey races, NBA it's, races. Speaking of the and NBA. We're figuring out the last three games yes. for the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors, who host the Philadelphia 76ers tonight on Sportsnet 1. The Sixers have listed guard Matisse Thibel as ineligible to play, leading to speculation that he may be unvaccinated. The Raptors have just three games remaining in the regular season, and if the playoffs started today, they would meet the Sixers in the first round. Do you think Philly would like to avoid that, given the current circumstances? I think the current circumstances are a part of this. Like, obviously, he is their best perimeter defender, and he's a pretty damn good player. And also, the Toronto Raptors, despite being where they are in the standings, have championship pedigree. Like, you want nothing of that, especially when you consider what happened in the last game. Like, we're going to see two different lineups here. And I wonder if, and I'll ask Matty Devlin, who's going to join us a little bit later on. I wonder if the 76ers and or Raptors show their cards. Like, if the Raptors don't want to face the 76ers, you could sit some guys here. Mm -hmm. But let's remember what happened in the one meeting between these two when the Raptors had a relatively healthy lineup. Not only did they beat the Sixers, but they hounded Joel Embiid into one of his worst games of the season. It was March 25th. He was 6 of 20 from the floor. And the Raptors held them to 88 points in a 93-88 win. Raptors had 20 offensive boards in that game and won the battle on the boards 56 to 40. Never mind the history between the two, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we're going back to when Sid picked the Sixers. Yeah, Sid had to pick the Sixers. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the Raptors, from where we were at the beginning of the season to where we are now, we are now going to the playoffs where it doesn't feel like this Raptors team will be afraid of anybody. They will be underdogs no matter who they play. Yeah. But Masai's interview at the beginning of the year was still sticks in my head. It's going to be a developmental year. Pump the brakes, pump the brakes. And now we're going to the playoffs where they're not going to be afraid of anybody in the top four in the East. It's, it's remarkable. Like, what is the ceiling for this team now? Because they have come such a long way this season, I don't really remember them. I mean, obviously, we talk about the Vegas total for wins for the Raptors all the time, and they always go over, but they have outperformed everybody's expectations this year. Is it? I don't know if we're in, like, Tiger category where you can't say, like, they should lose to all three of the teams that they could face, but you never underestimate the heart of a champion. No, and, and they won't go in there thinking that they're going to lose. No, but, like, let's be honest here. If you were forced to put a million dollars on the Raptors versus any three of those teams, you're putting it on the other three teams. Yeah, unless the Celtics don't have Al Horford and Jalen Brown. Well, here, here's, the, here's the deal. Both of those guys played in Toronto earlier this year. Mm-hmm. So all this talk about, here's what the Celtics said. And it was a viewer that tipped me off on this and just reminded me that Jalen Brown played in Toronto earlier this year. And then we looked and saw Al Horford played earlier this year in Toronto too. So I think what the Celtics are doing is we're not sharing this information. Brad Stevens said earlier this year or earlier this season, we're not sharing this information with anybody. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be the team who's telling you who's vaccinated and not vaccinated. So they could all be vaccinated and just aren't sharing that information. And that would be very on brand for Jalen Brown, who is a guy who has a lot of respect for his fellow man and demonstrates it at every corner, even if they're making a choice that he and or others may disagree with. 
Um, so I don't know that the Celtics aren't vaccinated. Otherwise, they wouldn't have played in Toronto in November. Yeah. And if you look at the, the only guy that missed that game was Robert Williams, and he would miss that series anyway. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a full roster for the Celtics and maybe no Matisse Thibel if it is the Sixers. The Raptors would probably rather beat them at full strength anyway. Matt Devlin coming up a little bit later in the show to talk more basketball. Ten games in the NHL tonight with six Canadian teams in action. The Leafs visit the Stars. Do you actually believe that? Fans wouldn't care, but I think the players might. Uh, with Austin Matthews needing one goal to set single-season franchise record. Meanwhile, uh, out west, after beating the Ducks last night, the Flames will play the second of back-to-backs tonight in San Jose. And the Oilers look for their sixth straight win as they visit the Kings. Edmonton is currently one point up on L.A. for second place in the Pacific, and the Oilers have a game in hand, while the Flames now have a six-point cushion on top of that division. I know you don't like I made that comment that went to the next story. Do you want to have a party? No, no, it's just such an idealist look, and I wish I was like that, but I don't think I am. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if they are. It's kind of a throwaway comment anyway. Uh, how much would you like to see the Battle of Alberta in this year's postseason? Speaking of idealist yes, looks, they, yes. I, I would love to see it because I think that it would mean, given the standings, that both the Edmonton Oilers and Calgary Flames would have to win their first round series. Now, I know there are permutations that could Mm -hmm. see them finish second and third and be a first round matchup, but the way I see Calgary playing and the way Johnny Gaudreau has helped this team kind of elevate, I think the Flames are going to win the division, and I would like to see the Oilers get that home ice advantage against the Kings. And maybe we'll see a second-round matchup, which would mean that one of them would be going through the conference final if they met there. I am, uh, I'm pretty jacked that we may end up seeing a battle of Alberta in this year's playoffs. Yeah, I mean, and I know we're going a couple steps down the road, but I'm ready to go a couple steps down the road. Like that—that that was the original idea of why they changed the, play, the playoff format in the first place with the wild cards, right? To get so more rivalries. Get more divisional rivalries and. What better one than the Battle of Alberta? Haven't seen it in the postseason since 1991. That right there would be absolutely tasty. Coming up, Elliot Friedman will drop by to discuss maybe a Battle of Alberta, his 32 thoughts, and all things NHL. Scotiabank Arena, Matty Devlin will join us. Raptors, Sixers, and after the break, we head to the Dome. A day before opening day, Danny Shulman joins us to tee up opening weekend and an exciting Jays team next right here on Tennessee. 508 days since the car accident. One year, four months, 24 days since Tiger made a birdie at Augusta National. His game looks very, very good. The Blue Jays have to be the deepest. The Blue Jays are the scariest team in Major League Baseball. I'd say you're absolutely right. I'm so excited. A lot of excitement. I'm excited. We're excited for it, man. Scotty with the left at the iron. The Toronto Raptors are headed to the playoffs. We've come a long way. Look out, Stutzla. Gallagher trying to get at him. Everybody in a red jersey trying to get at Stutzla. Tim might not play tonight, so it's fairly obvious. I respect Gallagher as a player, but uh, we'll just let the refs and the league do their job. That's what's going on at Augusta. Going on at Augusta. That's what's going on at Augusta. Still to come, a busy night on the ice. Freeds dropping by. Raptors Sixers preview with Matty D and just over 24 hours away from the Jays home opener, which you can see on Sportsnet. Never mind. Catch Tim and friends live from the field at 5 p.m. Eastern to get it all underway. Jays first true home opener since 2019, and Charlie Montoyo is expecting the Jays to feel 
the home field advantage this season. I mean, of course, it's a different year, but one thing I know for sure, if we would have been here the whole year, we would have won at least one more game. I'm not talking about winning a division, I'm just saying at least one more game. So yeah, I feel really happy that we're going to start in Toronto from the beginning. From being on the road for two years and then come back to 15,000, it felt like 50. It really did. We were so excited and, and I cannot imagine what's going to feel like tomorrow, but I know it's going to be exciting. We want to be in that situation, that scenario when we had all that, all that big crowd there cheering for us and, you know, that that team motivated ourselves to go out there and, you know, give us 100% every day. And tomorrow I had a chance to to pitch and do my work from a lot of people. I know they are waiting for this moment so far, so I'm excited and I bring, you know, a lot of energy for them. A lot of people excited. I don't know if 25 and 11 is what you should expect sustained through an 81-game home schedule, but they were good at home last year. And joining me from the Dome is the owner of a brand-new Canadian Screen Award for Best Play-By-Play Announcer, ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Bartholomew <laughs> Shulman, winner of the Best Play-By-Play Announcer. Welcome back to Tim and Friends, my friend. Well, thank you. You won. You won best host last year, and and you told me I had to win an award to, to get back on the show and be your friend again. So that to me, that's really the best part about it. Uh, that's the only reason I brought it up because I knew you'd be gracious enough to bring up mine <laughs> from last year. Uh, let Let's just talk about go. the excitement. I mean, listen. There's a bunch of different reasons why people are excited. This will be the first full home schedule since 2019. The team's good. They were really good in that ballpark. Does it feel like the players understand the excitement surrounding this year's edition of the team? Absolutely. I was in the clubhouse a couple of hours ago and talking to some of the players, and we started looking around. We think only five Blue Jays were here for opening day 2019. Wow. Only five current players have actually had a real opening day in Toronto. Obviously, there wasn't one in 2020. And even in 2021 last year, as wonderful and emotional as that was, there were only 15,000 people uh, in the building. There will be whatever it is, 48,000 here for the game tomorrow. And the players are fired up about it. They really are. You know, they're a fun group to begin with, as you well know. They're a confident group. They're a good team. And they're really excited to play a game in front of so many fans. This is not where I say that the Jays have lost 10 straight home openers, is it? No. 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 <laughs> no, no. And, and if you do say it now, you edit it out once, once later on. Yeah. Understood. See, in, that, in, once it hits the internet, you edit yeah. that out. That, so, yeah. That's why you won the award this year, and we were just nominees here on Tim and Friends. Uh, yeah. This is an interesting stretch, though, to start, and I feel like, okay, I understand the excitement. Uh, we're part of that excitement. We want people to be excited. But tempering that excitement with what's going to be a pretty damn tough schedule to start, isn't it? Yeah, 22 of their first 32 are against either the Yankees, the Red Sox, or the Astros. Three very good teams. And they play 30 games in 31 days to start the season. I haven't looked at everybody else's schedule, but I would imagine they're the only team to play 30 games in 31 days. They play 10, have one day off, and then play 20 in a row, which is the maximum allowed under the collective bargaining agreement. So uh, not that anybody's asking for my advice, but my advice to whoever's watching and is a fan of the Blue Jays, if they're 16 and 16 or 17 and 15 or whatever the case may be after 32 games, it's okay. The off days are coming. 
the Orioles are coming. Things will get easier <laughs> over time. This is going to be, I hope nobody from Baltimore is watching <laughs> yeah. this right now, but th- th- this will be really a tough test. And, and I think, you know, guys like Ross Stripling and Ghostgate Coteau, you know, like it's going to take a whole roster yeah. here for the first 31 days because uh, nobody wants to get anybody hurt, right? And pitchers aren't stretched out and the players didn't have a full spring training and their legs are going to get sore playing on the turf. And I think everybody's going to be valuable in the first 31 days. I mean, the Jays won 91 games last year, and they finished fourth. Like, this is still the toughest division in baseball, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. There's no question. But the best news is there's an extra playoff spot available. And had that been the case last year, of course, the Blue Jays would have been in the playoffs. You, You could finish fourth in this division, win over 90 games, and make the playoffs this year and and you know we've seen all kinds of projections about the division and all of them have the top four teams in the division very close it's an extremely hard division there's good news coming next year when the schedule balances out a little right. bit more and that won't help them within their own division but that would help them if they're competing for a wild card against a team from the central or the west but next year is next year this year is this year tomorrow is tomorrow nobody's going to hand them anything just because they are the trendy pick to have a great year go to the playoffs maybe do some damage in october doesn't mean that it doesn't mean anything out there they got to stay healthy and go do it out there uh marcus simeon and the rangers are tomorrow uh i i saw the rangers got into town the jays were around it seemed like an old friend was back even though it was just a year Yeah, there was a lot of hugging. Um, The Blue Jays were doing some drills in the outfield, and Simeon obviously stuck around. The Rangers worked out in the morning, but he stuck around, came out in the red Texas T-shirt, and he was waiting at home plate when the Blue Jays came down the line to start doing their base running drills. And one by one, Vladdy, Bo, Guriel, Teoscar, everybody, Jansen, coaches, manager, um, gave him a big hug. He obviously left an imprint in, in one year, both between the white lines and in the clubhouse. You know, we all know the work ethic and the attention to detail uh, and that sort of thing. And I would imagine he is going to get a, a very loud, positive ovation tomorrow night. He was a big driver of that offense last year. Have the Jays done enough to uh, replace that? It's hard to go out and find one guy to replace that, obviously. 45 home runs, Silver Slugger, finishes third in MVP. So they bring in Matt Chapman, not to replace Simeon, but kind of, sort of, if you know what I mean. And, And obviously, Chapman a third baseman, Simeon a second baseman. Chapman will hit, and I think he'll hit a lot better than he did last year. He's a year further removed from the hip surgery. And listen, this guy finished seventh and sixth in MVP balloting in 2018 and 2019. When healthy, he's an outstanding player and as good a defender as there is. So uh, Chapman will give them offense, obviously. I think where you hope you pick up more is George Springer plays 150 games instead of 78. That, to me, is the big wild card. Now, on on the other side, listen, Vladdy was healthy and Bo was healthy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They were relatively healthy last year and you got to hope for that but if Springer's healthier I think they get more out of him I think they get more out of Jansen than they did last year he had the great September maybe he builds on that I think Kirk will get more at bats for the Blue Jays this year you hope you're going to get a little bit more offense there and to me maybe one of the most interesting guys is Lourdes Gurriel his hot streaks are crazy hot if he could ever you know be hot for most of a season 
you know, who knows what the numbers would be. But honestly, Tim, I think if this team wins more than 91 games, it's not because they're better offensively. It's because their pitching is better. I think that's where there is the most room to grow on this roster. Right. And you threw the caveat in there, obviously, of health. And I'll knock on wood and, uh, and hit the old noggin here in studio um, that they are healthy because that's a major caveat for any team any year. That's why you play 162 games over the year. So that's one of the concerns. Where is Hyunjin Ryu on your level of concerns? Not really until we see him get going. You know, I I mean, he wasn't great last year. He was a league average starter last year. He wasn't as good as he was in 2020. In 2020, he was terrific. He got Cy Young votes in in 2020. Um, You know, we tend to remember the playoff game, which takes away from what he did in the abbreviated 2020 season. Last year, he had some highs. He had some lows. And overall, his numbers suggest he was about a league average starter. But last year, he came into the season as the number one guy. This year, he's coming in as the number three guy. And, and to me, one, two, three, four, five, they sort it out. You know, you know if Manoa right. pitches his way to the front of the rotation, then he's the number one guy. It, it, all, it all sorts itself out. So uh, I wouldn't say he's uh, on my concern list right now until we see three or four starts at the beginning of the season and see how he's doing. And I do think the Blue Jays, with him maybe more than the others, are going to make sure they give him a breather every now and again, whether that's an inning earlier in a start or an extra day between starts. You know, Ross Stripling is a guy that doesn't get a lot of conversation at all. But as I mentioned before, I think he's going to be very important in this season opening stretch, whether it's as a spot starter or a three or four inning relief outing. Um, You know, his blessing is his curse, right? He's got a rubber arm. He can go out there and do whatever they ask him to do. And I I think a guy like Stripling is going to be important to give Ryu maybe just an extra day a couple of times during this opening stretch. Listen, if Ryu's your third, uh, you might have the best rotation in baseball on paper, but we all know that the game is not played on paper. It's played by little men in our television sets, Daniel. <laughs> and and I'm, the little ma- I'm the little voice of the little man you hear on the right. television talking about the little man on television. Hey, so. before I let you go, I know you're doing some work with the King of Beers, Budweiser, on a pretty cool initiative. Is someone getting the greatest baseball bachelor pad imaginable this year? It's right up there, uh, the home of Homer's, one of the hotel suites here overlooking the field, and, and it's yours for a month. So uh, it's a great contest. If you can't get enough of two things, living in a hotel and watching baseball, <laughs> this contest is for you. Uh, I've been in the suite. Obviously, it overlooks the field. You get a great view uh, of the ballpark. So uh, the information is everywhere online. You can find it, but it's a, it's a pretty unique thing. And I know I'm not supposed to say pretty unique because unique is just unique. It's a unique thing. So uh, go, go uh, take part in that contest and uh, see if you can watch some baseball games for a month home of homers.ca is where you can get the information we also have one of those fancy qr codes so if you want to hit rewind on pvr you can go scan that qr code a full like you're allowed to leave the hotel room but for every game you can cozy up with a couple of your friends and watch baseball in a pretty damn cool spot and yes, in a pretty damn cool spot and see uh, every baseball game that they play here uh, over the first month. Um, yeah, you cannot come in the booth where we're doing the games. I'll wave at you from across the field and, and, uh, and acknowledge you. But but it, it is pretty cool. It it, uh, it seems a great thing for the kind of the, like the 20s demographic. Oh right. I mean, hey, hey. 
hey, hey, mom and dad, great news, I'm moving out. I'm coming back in a month, and I'm, I'm living in a hotel at the ballpark for the right. interim, but I'm moving out for a month. But it, it'll, it sounds like a really fun contest. Yeah, Uncle Timmy with long, luxurious hair back in the day would have absolutely – actually, you know what, never mind back in the day. I would love it right now. Uh, take a little break sure. every once in a while and go watch some baseball. Danny, great talking <laughs> baseball with you. Can't wait for tomorrow. Uh, appreciate you doing this. You too, my friend. See you soon. The award-winning Daniel Bartholomew Shulman. I may have made up the middle name. When we come back, we'll check in with the SM Bet Squad as Wager Week continues. Maybe a closer look at the Jays. Next. Wager Week continues on Sportsnet. We'll have a closer look at some Blue Jay player props in a bit, but let's continue our daily check with the at SMBet squad. Here's Mike. I'm Mike Mohorovich from SMBets, and today we're looking at some player props. It is opening day, so we will get to baseball, but let's first start with the Toronto Raptors and Pascal Siakam. Siakam's point prop is 23 and a half. In two games against Philadelphia this year, he hit the over both times. 24 and 27 points, respectively. He's been on a roll lately. The Raptors just clinched. This game is at home. I really like his points prop at minus 108 odds. Michael Bunting has not scored in a long, long time. It's been 13 games since the Leafs rookie put the puck in the net. And because of that, I really like his player shots prop. It's two and a half, so you only need three shots and you get plus money at plus 140. Let's tail this off with some baseball. Pete Alonso loves home runs. SM Betts loves home runs. Patrick Corbin does not love home runs. He gave up a lot in July and August of last season, and in spring training, he didn't look amazing. Alonzo can hit a home run against just about anybody in the majors, and at plus 275, his home run prop looks really good today. You can play them individually, or you can parlay them, and you get odds over 1,500. Either way, Tim and Jesse, happy opening day. Thank you, Mikey. Happy opening day to you, too. And Fred Van Vee resting. In that game, OG Ananobi out. Maybe that's Siakam. I like works. the Siakam. Maybe that's Siakam. All NBA Siakam, I'll take it. All right, uh, we're joining on the Wager Week Fun, and it continues uh, with this betting theme throughout the show. Plenty of opportunities for the Blue Jays on the field this season, which also means opportunities for those interesting and perhaps gaming on the Jays. Tim and Friends correspondent Kevin Mickey takes you through some of the best bets when it comes to the Jays this year. And always remember, kids. Please play responsibly. Blue Jays look like a team that many think this year will win the East. You have to love the 2022 Toronto Blue Jays on paper. They're favored to win the AL East at plus 165, and the American League as a whole at plus 375. Oh, and they're also plus 800 to win the World Series. That is the second best odds in all of baseball. Charlie Montoya's team won 91 games a year ago. They missed the playoffs. The Jays' over-under for wins is 92.5. President Mark Shapiro, he recently said that his club will be better than the 91 wins they had last season. So, add two more to that, and you've got yourself a lock with the over. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is hearing the calls of MVP. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. enters 2022 with the second best odds to take home AL MVP this season at plus 375. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has done it again! 
Vladdy is the favorite to claim the home run crown at plus 450 and lead baseball in RBIs at plus 600. But you, the savvy gambler that you are, a sharp, some may call you. You're not just playing favorites, so... Well, let's find you some value with our crystal ball here. Hernandez has been one of the best hitters in the league over the last two seasons. Teoscar Hernandez drove in a team best 116 runs last year and is plus 2,000 to lead all of baseball this season. It could be a nice payout considering he's likely to bat cleanup in what will surely be a high-scoring offense. George Springer. This is the guy that can really kickstart the offense. George Springer played in just 78 games in 2021, but he crossed the plate 59 times. You can find him at plus 2,000 for most runs scored, and that's while hitting out of the leadoff spot for the Jays. Blue Jays had to improve over the last couple of years their starting rotation, and that's exactly what they have now. Pitcher wins can be unpredictable, but, well, if you think that this team's going to contend, you have to like their starters and the fact that they'll probably pick up a bunch of victories. Big expectations for Barrios and the Blue Jays in 2022. Jose Barrios and Kevin Gossman are both plus 1,400 to finish with most victories, while Alec Manoa, he might be a worthwhile long shot at plus 4,000. Do you want a bigger long shot? Okay, how about Matt Chapman at plus 6,000 to win AL MVP? Welcome to the Blue Jays, Matt Chapman. After a couple of subpar seasons with the bat, the Jays are hoping that a change of scenery to hitter-friendly Rogers Center will get Chapman back on track offensively. And remember what happened the last time the Jays acquired a third baseman from Oakland? Yeah, how could you not put a wager on a flyer like that? You almost can't afford not to. Thank you, Kevin. Mickey, this is the second time we've done something like this. We did it with the Raptors. We had the over in wins in that. Check already and for a while. Uh, To make the playoffs, check. They're already in. And Scotty Barnes for Rookie of the Year. That's going to be a tough one. Mm, I, I Honestly... They finished that far ahead of the Cavs? I mean, maybe a little. He's still a dog. After the break, we will get you caught. Kendrick Perkins revealed his votes. He's giving it to Scotty Barnes. You know what I think? What? Should be rookie of the year. (laughs) Of course. He's all a favor. I thought you were going to add something. Like, (laughs) we were going to pontificate. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Uh, We'll continue, Tim and Friends, and talking about sports next on Sportsnet (laughs) and Sportsnet 360. Sports shows. Now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdog's back here. Hour number two on Tim and Friends, full hour Sportsnet 360, which includes Matt Devlin from Scotiabank Arena, ahead of an interesting Raptors and Sixers affair in Toronto. We've got a half an hour to go on Sportsnet, which includes Elliot Friedman ahead of a very busy night in the National Hockey League. But first, let's get you caught up to date on what's going on at Augusta. Tiger Woods is absolutely awe-inspiring, making his first competitive start since the car accident on February 23rd, 2021, 17 months off of competitive golf. There's no chance that he can compete 
at the Masters. Can he? Par four fifth already throwing darts from 218. Finds the green, sets up a birdie putt, and as you can tell, that birdie putt would be uphill. Woods is smiling, the crowd is smiling. Be nice to see him get his first birdie of the day, first in years on the tour. Oh, look at that. Everyone thought it was there, but on the very next hole, Jesse Rubinoff in matching Ruby Fuchsia. You know it. Tiger dials in. Did you know Tiger was born in the same year as your boy Uncle Timmy? Yeah, I put two and two together. <laughs> We're both 75s, and that's what this dude is doing after 17 months off of professional golf. Got him to one under par after bogey on 14. Woods back at even. All right, softness helped him there a little bit. Kept that ball on the And he would uh, get close here. How about this look at birdie? Once again, from distance, Jesse. This is where you're going to get to see something that we haven't seen in a long time. And there it is. The fist pump. The fist pump, baby. Moves him back to one under par for the third time in the round. To 18 we go. Tiger for par. Yeah. What a return. 71 for Tiger. What do you say? Incredible and a phenomenal. I mean, what other words can you pick an adjective? Amazing. I don't know if you can. No, you can't. I'm in shock. We, we tried earlier. We, I, I don't know how well we did. 171 in his first competitive round since November of 2020. Not limping there. To put that in perspective, he's up on world number seven, Justin Thomas, by five strokes <laughs> after the opening round. Once again, Justin Tong, good player. Yep. Top 10 in the world. Yep. Five back of Tiger playing for the first time in 17 months. Oh, Eldrick, what did you think? Well, I did not have a very good warm up at all. You know, yeah. I, I hit it awful. And uh, uh, as my dad said, um, did you accomplish your task? Did you warm up? I said, yes. Now <laughs> go, go play. And that's exactly what I did. I, you know, blocked it out. and. I felt like, hey, I'm warm, go play, let's just go get it done, you know where to put it, um, execute each shot, and, um, you know, as the round built, uh, you know, I was able to get into the red, um, I got out of there and got to even par, uh, but, you know, made made two stupid mistakes at eight, back to back, um, loss of concentration a little bit there, mm -hmm. but I fought back, and, um, and for the day, to end up in the red, I'm right where I need to be. Within striking distance, we have a new leader. Sung J.M. has taken over. I have something spot. very interesting about, about that, actually. Oh, you um, do? The PGA Tour communications team has actually sent this out. Now, the final 2020 Masters Tournament leaderboard was Dustin Johnson, Sung J.M., and Cam Smith. Right. I know this is a little bit dated by about half an hour. Now Sung J.M.'s on top, but those three guys right back on top of the leaderboard. And the conditions in 2020, very soft. The conditions today, because of a lot of rain overnight, soft. That's the common denominator. Yeah, the wind will dry it out as it gets later, so I wonder if the folks that went out early had a wee bit of an advantage, yeah, and probably. Tiger will be out on the course uh, in the second 
groupings yeah. of the day. So later afternoon tomorrow, we'll see how he does there. And shout out Corey Connors, who uh, through 17 is in the hunt in day one. All right, opening day in Major League Baseball today. A little afternoon delight. That's right, kids. Jay's opening their season tomorrow night at Rogers Center. We will be there doing our show on the field at 5 Eastern, followed by Blue Jays Central and the Jays and Rangers. Now, the Jays opened their, uh, excuse me, announced their opening day roster with a few surprises. Nate Pearson, Ryan Barucki will both start the year on the IL. That afternoon delight, Earlier today, Brewers and Cubs. Here's some game action as 21 Cy Young Award winner in the National League. Corbin Burns makes his first career opening day start. And he was good until the bottom of the fifth. Seiya Suzuki, that's his first major league hit. For those who don't know, signed a five-year, $85 million deal with the Cubbies. 27-year-old, five-time All-Star already in Japan. Later in the frame, Nico Horner. Careful with that one, Jesse. <laughs> He is rather randy by hitting a home run. First since 2019, Hop Burns to make it a Cubs lead, and they would add to it. They're up 3-1, now 3-3 in the bottom of the seventh. Ian Happ doubles off the Ivy. Both runners score a half a good day. The W comes out. He was 3-4 with two RBIs as the Cubs win. Five for your final. Cubs, Cubs win. How about the Guardians? They're taking on the Royals. Cleveland playing in their first game as the Guardians. Does anyone know who Harry Carey Harry is Curry anymore? Voice. Yeah, I was just going to, I was waiting for you to pause there so I can chime in. Are you explaining it to people because they don't know? Cubs announcer. Former. Nicky Lopez laying out to make a grab. Next batter, Jose Ramirez, fresh off of signing five years, $124 million extension. He ends up at second, uh, the first RBI of the game. It was 1-0. It is a low-scoring affair between the Guardians and the Royals, tied at one in the top of the seven. A potential playoff preview for the Raptors tonight as they host the Sixers. You can see it on Sportsnet 1 with the pregame starting at 7 Eastern. Phillies Matisse Thibel ineligible to play tonight under the assumption that he is unvaccinated and couldn't cross the border. Danny, hey, Danny Green will finally get yes, his 2019 yes. championship ring tonight. Freddie Van Vliet will rest. OG Ananobi, Utah Watsonabi. Also out of the lineup, here's Nick Nurse on whether the Raptors will hold anything back before a potential playoff matchup. I don't think there's much to hold back. I mean, there, there certainly is. I mean, we've got a, a bunch of stuff that we've put in that we haven't used, but that's not unlike any other season that you're going into the playoffs. And, you know, we think about cracking it out every now and then to see if it, but, but we usually decide against it, you know, until, you know, if, if you crack it out now, it's going to get scouted pretty heavily. Matty Devlin will join us in about 25 minutes for more on the wraps and maybe even more on the starting lineups for both teams because it's not like the Sixers. They may play a little poker in this game too. Yeah. To hockey, uh, Sharks GM Doug Wilson announced today that he is stepping down after 19 seasons in San Jose. Sharks made the playoffs 14 times in the 19 years that Wilson spent at the helm reaching one cup final. Meanwhile, the Calgary Flames face those very Sharks tonight, a game you can see regionally on Sportsnet West. Flames coming off a win in Anaheim last night, holding a six-point lead in the division heading in. They are ahead of both the Oilers and the Kings. 
Oilers ride into L.A. with a five-game winning streak. They enter the night a point up on the Kings in the division, and the playoffs started today, which they don't. But if they did, they would face each other in the first round. Mike Smith will make his fourth straight start in net. We'll see if there's an overtime, and he completes a ridiculous pass. Leafs continue their road trip in Dallas tonight. And they can do a favor to a bunch of Canadian teams here. You can see it on Sportsnet Ontario regionally. Pre-game starting 8 p.m. Eastern. Leafs coming off a 7-6 overtime loss in Florida. But enter the night second into the Atlantic. Three points up for the Bruins and Lightning. Jack Campbell once again in goal. Austin Matthews could set the Leafs season single season goal record with number 55 tonight. Rolling on, Habs face the Devils tonight while the Sens face the Preds. Reaction to Brendan Gallagher's comments about Tim Stutzler continue to roll in. Here's Sens coach DJ Smith and his opinion. Well, Tim might not play tonight, so it's fairly obvious. Um, you know, I watched him limp to the bus. I watched him take a high stick in the face. So I, I, I mean, it's I respect Gallagher as a player. <clears throat> But uh, we'll just let the refs in the league do their job. And I think, um, you know, the fact that uh, Timmy's as banged up as he is is fairly obvious what happened. Time now for 3 of 32 with our good friend Elliot Friedman. 3 of 32 is brought to you by the first ever GMC AT4 lineup in free. Oh, looking dapper, free mm -hmm. tone on tone on tone. What's going on, my friend? Not much. What's going on with you, man? Uh, you know, watching a little Tiger. Are you surprised by what Tiger... I know you're a sports fan, and I love you because you are a sports fan. Were you surprised to see Tiger Woods at one under par? No. no. Like, does anything that guy does surprise yes. anything? Yes. He almost had no. his leg amputated. It doesn't and matter. He, he's, he's five shots up on Justin Thomas, who's... Yeah, he's superhuman. I should, I should never doubt the superhuman that is Tiger Woods. Like, I'm... I'm jaw-dropped by it. I feel like we're just passing it off because it's Tiger, but it is incredible. It is incredible. Yeah. You know, I, I almost expect with this guy now that if, you know, he had lost his leg, it would have just grown back and he would have shot one under. <laughs> like, I, you know, I mean, the guy is the, the guy's an incredible human being. He's not a mere mortal like the rest of us. And I, I just think uh, the, the moment he said, I feel good enough to play here, Immediately, like I, I do have a wager, a, a shared wager on him to win. Now, I don't expect it, but, you know, I, I put some money down on it. It's, it's unbelievable to see what he's doing and the fact that Jesse's here kicking himself because I talked him out of the idea of Tiger winning this tournament and he thought all along Tiger could win this tournament. <laughs> Jeff, I've just been waiting Jesse, for 508 days. No Jesse, you were, you've worked with Tim for how long now? Why do you listen to anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was, he's been bang on. He's really good with the futures and this was a bit of a future so I gave him some credit. Yeah, we had a few luck, a little bit of luck with the futures. <laughs> uh, Alright, I know you're working on the Leafs pregame show and one of the things that Jesse and I were focused on after the 7-6 loss in Florida was the response from Sheldon Keefe to the media where he was asking himself what they were going to do against the best teams in the league and wanted an answer and what he got was an unequivocal yes that they could compete with those teams. That's a funny way of looking at blowing a 5-1 lead. I know it's a bigger picture idea, but was that for the media? And did you hear something different when he talked to the team or is this an idea that you need to keep this team's confidence. Well, first of all, Tim, like, does it really matter what Keefe is going to say? You know, I mean, 
we all know what the narrative around Toronto, the, the team is. And, you know, there's been a lot of losing here over the last 50 years. So, you know, the moment that that game, you look, Toronto got 11 out of 12 points against some really good teams. Mm-hmm. And, but the moment that they blew that lead, we all knew what the talk was going to be, right? Right. Like, that's just the way it is. Like, you know, um, you know, I, I think that, one of the things with Keefe is he's been really hard on them at times this year. He used the soft word at one point, which yeah. he kind of walked back. Um, but So I think he's careful with his words. I think he felt it was important. Like, if you're the coach looking at the big picture, I think at that point in time, it was probably smart for him to say, look, we just did really well, and that's the way I'm going to look at it. And but like we just know we know the city, we know the market, we know the fan base, we know everything that they've been through, and we know how some people like to rip the Leafs. Some people like to hate watch them, and so they're gonna rip the Leafs and say, "Ah, you blew a five-one lead." I mean, look, this this whole this whole season is an 82-game walk to whatever happens in the playoffs. And there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. Like the night before, they they blew out Tampa and everybody was like, Feeling good. Uh, here we go. Yeah. And then one night later, they blow a 5-1 lead and like, oh my God, they're garbage again. Like it's just, it's just one, it's a, it's a one big roller coaster we all ride. Yeah, the one thing that I will say is when you blow a 5-1 lead, usually uh, there might be some defensive uh, concerns surrounding a team and I know it's the second half of back-to-back and I know that they were tired and I know that Shalgren got hurt and left the game but I also know that there were six battles in front of the net that the Leafs lost because Mm -hmm. there were six goals scored in a spot where the Leafs uh, have a tendency to give up goals is is that something that Sheldon Keefe and management are concerned about especially going into a postseason when you know a lot of goals are scored there well that's why they brought in Labushkin and that's why they brought in Giordano you know, Labushkin is known for battling there. Uh, Giordano is not as mobile as he once was, but he's pretty good at battling there. Um, you know, the goals you're showing right now, are like that's transition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they definitely were concerned about the battles in front of the net, and that's why they got a couple of guys. You know, like tonight, what's the big story tonight? It's Matthews going for 55. That's right. that's the biggest story. But for me, here to now, here to the end of the season, the biggest story is what are they doing on their blue line? And you know, the other night they sat Labushkin, and tonight it looks like they're sitting Lilligren. Right. And you know, like game one of the playoffs, Tim. What's the what are their pairs going to be? And this, between now and the end of the regular season, is one long dress rehearsal for Sheldon Keith and their D coach, Dean Chanalith, to figure out who's playing and who's playing with who. And, it, I, and I think that's the fascinating story. Right, and I'll be keeping an eye on that, without a doubt. Is, is Shulgren good to go? Was there any shake of confidence in a guy who, who got hurt and then, I mean, was there word that he wanted to go back into that game in Florida? Well, they said he was all right, but, you know, he, he was thought about pulling him anyway. Right. Uh, first of all, I thought it was really important for them to go back to Campbell tonight. I, I thought they, they had to do that. Right. Um, I just didn't think that they really, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. He, he said that he was thinking about making the change anyway, so he just left it the way it was. Um, it's Except very the- rare Tim, you see situations where a guy gets pulled and goes back in. Like there was one with Shesterkin this year with a concussion spotter at the end of a game where he got pulled and went back in, but generally we don't see that too often. 
Uh, might we see a battle of Alberta in the postseason? And I might sure it be, hope so. And might it be in the second round, Elliot, the way this is breaking down with both teams playing pretty good hockey of late, although there was a bit of a swoon from Calgary, a little banged up as they try and get healthy. You know, Tim, I, I hope we get it. Yeah. We, we, we haven't gotten – the whole idea behind the NHL going to this setup was to get more regional rivalries. And, you know, we've gotten our battle of Florida – uh, we, we've had our Battle of Ontario. We even finally got a Montreal-Toronto series last year, although unfortunately we didn't get fans with it. Uh, I, I think we're way overdue for a Battle of Alberta. And uh, if it's in the second round, uh, the bean counters here will be very happy with your prediction. Uh, Elliot Friedman, I want to get to the West because there's a few teams where I believe the coaches don't have contracts beyond this year. Mm-hmm. What's your sense or what are you hearing on Bruce Boudreaux Jay Woodcroft, and I guess we throw Marty St. Louis into that mix. Well, Marty St. Louis, like he just said on Saturday in our show, he was on the pregame show for for Tampa, and he just said, look, I'm not going to talk about this now. It's not fair to anyone. We'll talk about it after the players. He wants everyone that's there in the organization, including the players, to see is focusing on the team and not himself. Look, I expect him to be back, unless for some reason he says, I don't want to do this anymore. Like they obviously want him back, and I think he wants to come back, and it's just going to come down to, you know, how long the term is going to be. Uh, Jay Woodcroft, it's you know, you're talking about second round playoff series now for Edmonton, so obviously it's trending in the right direction. Uh, Ken Holland said that they'll talk about it after the season, but I don't see any way if this continues that he isn't back as head coach with a new contract after this year. Boudreaux's situation is a little bit different. Um, there is a team option for next year. He also has an option if he says, no, I want to go test the market. Uh, there's no payout to him. If the, if the Canucks say, you know what, we'd like to move on, there is a payout to him. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, we're all kind of wondering about this and seeing where it would go. They won a huge game again last night. Um, you know, I, I think both sides there have some decisions to make. Uh, let's let's c- conclude with the Winnipeg Jets because mm-hmm. a lot of people looked at a, a second-round playoff uh, berth last year mm-hmm. and thought maybe this was a team that could make another step forward this year and it falls flat, and last night was as flat as you can get, getting Detroit on the second half of a back-to-back. What do you see in the future in Winnipeg? I think they've got some huge decisions to make. I really do about, you know, players, direction of the organization. Um, you know, they came out pretty well last night. They had, a, I think, a big shot advantage early on, but, you know, results speak, and yeah. um, they just look flat. Um, you know, that, that Detroit team's had some ugly results lately, but generally this year they've played really hard. Um, it, it's been a disappointing year in Edmonton, and I th- in Winnipeg, and I, and I think they're going to have to have some, some tough conversations about their core and which way they want to go and who's happy there and who isn't. And uh, I, I don't think they're going to be shying away for some, from some tough decisions in this offseason. Yeah, very interesting offseason for them. I was, a, I was a little worried about wearing green on green today and now that I see you in green on green I know I've made a terrible mistake thank you Elliot (laughs) I don't know if that's good or bad all I gotta say it's master's week we're both doing the same thing aren't we all all I've got to say it's also green t-shirt day which is a great reason to wear it I didn't know that Elliot Friedman teaching me something new even when I'm ripping him I'm sorry (laughs) Elliot thank you for doing this there is Elliot Friedman we kid because we love we go back a few a few years time for a break more hockey on the other side ahead of hockey central on Sportsnet plus Matty D on the way from Scotiabank Arena could Matthews set the record tonight will the Raptors 
perhaps sit some guys. What will Joel Embiid do? All coming up on Tim and Friends. just read to you what's on the Sportsnet family of channels mm. later on tonight. 7 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet 360, you've got the Pens and the Rangers. Uh, you've got the 76ers and the Raptors on Sportsnet 1 at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if you want some uh, Raptors 905, you can go to Sportsnet now. you get the Leafs and Stars on Sportsnet Ontario. That's at 8. For those who are watching in the Eastern time zone who are used to getting their game at their time, please note that's an 8 p.m. start time on Sportsnet Ontario. You've also got baseball on Sportsnet now, and then Canucks at Coyotes, Oilers at Kings, Flames at Sharks. <laughs> so good. They are all regional games tonight, and they all kind of sort of mean something to each other if you think that the Canucks can run the board starting with Phoenix tonight. But the Oilers could give them some help. The Leafs could give them some help, though I think it's all over for the Vancouver Canucks. Of all those games, is there one that particularly piques your interest? I yeah, the Oilers and Kings. I think yeah. it's really interesting to see what those two teams are doing. And listen, the Los Angeles Kings aren't what they used to be. And the core of that team is age. They've added a few more players mm -hmm. to that core. But I'm not sure many people saw them where they are right now. But given some of the experience on that team, is that someone you would want to avoid in the postseason? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, all of the teams that I think are up on that board and the standings are good, so you're going to have to play someone. And they seem to me like they're younger, right? They don't necessarily have... They have Doughty, they have some veteran guys, but they do have Andre an influx is pretty good. of youth that I think you get to the big stage could be a little different. They might not be, you know, as on top of their game as, as another team would be. And I want to see how the Oilers' goaltending holds up because they've been a little bit hot there in the last five games. Mike Smith, 4-1 in his last five, assisted on the game-winning goal in overtime with Connor McDavid. So are the Oilers going to keep going and closing in, quite frankly, on the Calgary Flames atop the division? I know you said that the, you think the Flames are going to end up winning the division, and I tend to agree but the way the Oilers have been playing right now, and we'll see if Leon Dreisaitl's back in the lineup tonight, they're on an unbelievable heater, and really it's been the whole way through since Jay Woodcroft, your boy. That, uh, that board that we just showed was what I was attempting to find in my notes, was just how good that Mike Smith has been playing under Jay Woodcroft. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's sustainable, if that's health, and I think that everyone in Edmonton is wondering the same thing. Like, is this guy... As we've said the entire year, if they get average goaltending, they're a good team. And all you're asking for is average goaltending. And is this guy finding his game and or getting healthy at the right time this year? And I don't think Oilers fans give a bleep. Like no. They don't care if it's him getting healthy or if it's Woodcroft or if they're play seemingly playing better five-on-five which usually lends to you playing better, period. Yeah. But I don't think they care. They just want to see one goalie grab the bull by the horns, and it looks like Mike Smith might be doing that, and that's why he's getting a four-straight start tonight. No doubt. I mean, that's why people love the analytics, because you get to see how much the goalie actually matters, or are you, are you really changing the way that you play? Right. All right, time to send it to Hockey Central on Sportsnet. Carolyn Cameron, Megan Mickelson, Justin Bourne, all standing by to take you to a full slate of games, as I mentioned. As... 
for us. We'll continue on Sportsnet 360 as Matty Devlin, Matty D, will join us from Scotiabank Arena ahead of the Raptors and the Sixers. Back in 60 on 360. Here we go. for me was to make sure we got in a series. We've come a long way. Chua with the thunder. When I saw the talent that we had, it was just about putting all the pieces together, really. Fred yes! We all knew what we were capable of doing. Enough. It just made us, you know, work harder. Scotty with the left at the iron. The Toronto Raptors are headed to the playoffs. No, now it's time to go see what we can do. Welcome back. We know the Raptors are in. Now we find out who they'll play in the postseason. Tonight, Scotiabank Arena could be a first-round preview with the Sixers in town. And Danny Green will finally get his championship ring. See it on Sportsnet 1 starting with the pregame at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. Let's bring in our good friend Matt Devlin, who is standing by at Scotiabank Arena. And Matty D., First off, welcome back. Second off, about damn time for Danny Green. <laughs> I how I mean, how patient is Danny Green? I mean, he is patient. Most people, I think, by now would just say, you know what, just give me the ring, right? <laughs> yeah. Give me the ring. But no, he has waited better than a thousand days, as you well know in between winning the title and coming back here, waiting through this pandemic, waiting through Tampa, and here we are with three games left in the 2020-2021 season, and tonight he gets the ring. He gets the ring. By the way, he has a Laker ring in between all of that. <laughs> yeah, he's got another ring in between. Um, I feel like, and, and maybe I'm just romanticizing here because he's finally getting his ring, but among the more underappreciated players on that championship team, I know the shot, you know, kind of went away a couple of times, but the defense was always there, and the understanding of the defense was a big part of what the Raptors were able to do. Why don't you go back over that run? He did have a couple of big games, yeah. and it's always this as well, the threat of Danny Green. When he's on the floor, the threat – and so you have to take that into account from a defensive standpoint. And let's also remember he was available, right? And that was something that Nick Nurse said. He was available every night, wanted to play. He said he was a glue guy for the Toronto Raptors. And when I look back at that time, to me, you know, that is a part of that deal where you bring in Kawhi Leonard. Do not forget about the importance of Danny Green because he was extremely important for the Toronto Raptors, specifically when you go back and you look at the numbers and what he was able to do shooting the corner three. And when I go back, it's actually there's a game against Orlando that he had the game winner. You may recall it was right from the short corner. So he had some good games for the Toronto Raptors and then in the postseason had a couple of big moments. Understood. Um kind of lineups are we going to see? It's not Kyle Lowry, but Danny Green returning. What, what kind of lineups are we going to see here tonight? Has the poker game already begun? Well, Nick Nurse said that OG Ananobi is not available tonight. More than likely, he'll come back Sunday in New York. Fred Van Vliet is taking 
this uh, evening off because of the right knee soreness. So that, to me, is also a sign of a day-to-day -day sort of situation as they look to end the season, get healthy next week. As far as what we'll see, you know, this evening, Matisse Theibel, as you know, is ineligible to play tonight for Philadelphia. I think that both coaches really aren't going to show all that much. You know, the Raptors will defensively show a lot because they always do. But as far as everything else, I think it'll be pretty bland. Why? Because a week and a half from now, they may be meeting one another down in Philadelphia for game one of a first round matchup. Matt Devlin joining us here from Scotiabank Arena. Um, the interesting part of that matchup, if they do in fact meet up, is how well the Raptors did against Joel Embiid. And, you know, listen, I thought going into that game that Embiid would be absolutely dominant. And the Raptors not only held him in check, but they won the boards by a significant amount. Was that hustle? Was that getting ready for the, you know, early times of James Harden? Like, why do you think that one game was so significantly in favor of the Raptors? Well, when you go back to the last time these two teams met, Tim, in Philadelphia, that 8.30 start time, that had a playoff feel, playoff atmosphere, and the Toronto Raptors did lock in from a defensive standpoint. And we know how good they are defensively, and they mix it up. They have multiple coverages that they will show, not afraid to try anything whatsoever, running different players at Joel Embiid or James Harden. But here's the thing to remember. OG Ananobi, when OG plays for the Raptors, they're 31 and 16, right? He's extremely important from a defensive standpoint. We know what he does offensively with the corner three ball as well as on the wing. But his ability to guard multiple, to me, is really important for this team. What tonight brings, I don't know, Tim. You, you know, you know that Nick is going to run a lot of different combinations at both Embiid as well as Harden. You know, do they get a big night from Tobias Harris? We'll see. So for the Raptors tonight, you know, you're going to see Pascal doing what Pascal does. And we know how good he's been. And then Malachi Flynn's going to you know, obviously get some run this evening. Yeah. You know, does Delano Banton, because of his length, do we see him? You know, they'll be more than likely, you know, five forwards out there running up and down the floor for the Toronto Raptors at some point. Embiid was just 6 of 20 in that game, but uh, he also had 45 points the last time out. And because of it, Matty yeah. D, he now leads the NBA in scoring, could become the first big since Shaq, or at least the first center yeah. since Shaq to lead the league in scoring. Is he also the MVP? Well, we were just having this conversation with Alvin Williams, and for Alvin, he believes he's the MVP this season. And he made a great case just about everything that he has dealt with this year. Think about when you look around him and the teammates and Ben Simmons not being there and then now 19 games with James Harden, they're 13 and 6. I think he is more than likely going to be the MVP over the Joker and over Giannis. You can certainly make a case for Jokic based upon the fact that look who he doesn't have right, right. around him. And right. that team is still right there in the mix in the Western Conference. However, we know this. The East is a beast, 
right? Right. And so Joel Embiid, I just think, I have a feeling, I don't vote, I have a feeling it's his time. Uh, it's really interesting because narrative oftentimes plays a factor too. Jokic has already got his, but uh, both of them I love because you're right. They both dragged their team that was like, think of where the Lakers ended up this year and Anthony Davis is talking about injuries. And then you look at what Jokic did with his second and probably third best player out of the lineup and what Embiid's been able to do with a multitude of guys in and out of that lineup. Team, team right on his shoulders, yeah. right? Yeah. And you, you mentioned the last time these two teams met. You know, there is something, I think, from there, – there is something that with Nick Nurse here and just all the different looks that Joel has, you know, is there something upstairs where he goes, oh, no, what am I going to see, right? Right. And I feel that way, too, with the Milwaukee Bucks when it comes to Mike Budenholzer. Yeah. And he was up to nothing in that series, as we know. So there are some things that will be interesting to watch if these two teams do meet up in the postseason. All right, before I let you go, you took the second favorite for the MVP in Vegas. They're saying right now that Embiid is second to Jokic. Uh, the second favorite to win the Rookie of the Year is Scotty Barnes. Could he also win the Rookie of the Year? Well, I look. I know that you can make the case for Evan Mobley. Of course, you can. and I've heard all the different cases, right? But Scotty Barnes is an integral part of this Raptor team, and one of the main reasons why they currently are in fifth. Do they slide to six? We don't know, but he is someone that is top five in all rookie categories. All rookie categories. There's no other rookie that's in the top five. And what makes him so special, he can play one to five, and he can also guard one through five. And against Jokic, who you're saying right now is the leader in mm -hmm. the clubhouse for the MVP, winning it two years in a row, potentially the reigning MVP, on a second night of a back-to-back, -back, after a brilliant game in Phoenix where the Raptors defeated the Phoenix Suns, Raptors arrived in Denver at about 3:30 yeah. in the morning the next day what do they do they take on the Denver Nuggets and you know in the fourth quarter Scotty Barnes held Jokic to zero points crazy that was his matchup in the fourth quarter he is special now we know this is it a little too late right with the voters you know in the United States maybe but in my book, in my eyes, he's a rookie of the year. Uh, we know he got he's a getting better since All-Star, by the way. Yeah, since All-Star, look at his numbers. Yeah, it seemed like he hit a little bit of a wall just before the All-Star break, and he has responded in an absolutely massive way. I know you got to bounce. Matty D, always appreciate you jumping on with us. <laughs> Raptor <is> Sixers. <laughs> Tonight. Sportsnet One, Matty D, Alvin Williams on the call. Time for one last break. We'll take a closer look at the Blue Jays' defense for the season and get to last call with Jesse Rubinoff next. Jam-packed Tim and Friends concludes after this. A reminder, we will be live at Rogers Center tomorrow for the Jays' home opener. Join us for a live hour, 5 to 6 Eastern, with special guests from the Toronto Blue Jays themselves if you watch enough you know I like to steal some in-depth looks from Sportsnet producer Chris Black who has a penchant for digging deep on Twitter at down to black 
on the aforementioned social media. In fact, I stole so much from Chris that we asked him to help out heading into the Jays season. So down to black got down to work on the impact that Matt Chapman could have on the entire team in the field. He put this together for a closer look with the help of Jesse Rubinoff on the vocals and Hazel May. Former Blue Jay Ed Sprague was on the fan sports set in Toronto and he said Matt Chapman will be the best defensive third baseman in the history of the organization. Best third baseman in the history defensively. The history. I know, that is a, <laughs> that, that's some big shoes to fill right there. Matt Chapman has a lot to live up to, but his biggest challenge might be transforming his new ball club into a top 10 defensive team. The Toronto Blue Jays haven't been a good defensive team since their last postseason appearance in 2016. Defense was their last blind spot. One last glaring fundamental weakness as they build towards years of title contention. Now, not only will Matt Chapman just make them better at third, he'll help his fellow infielders and his pitchers too. One of the best third basemen in all of baseball, and he is now a Toronto Blue Jay. First, the defensive metrics. Any way you slice it, outs above average, defensive runs saved, Chapman is not only one of the best fielding third basemen of this era, he's one of the best fielders in Major League Baseball, period, regardless of position. He represents an immediate, drastic improvement for the Blue Jays. As an ex-infielder, when he makes a play, I say, oh my God, how did he make that play? But I get it. What is an out above average or a defensive run saved, right? Here's one way to really put it into an easily digestible baseball stat. Since Chapman broke into the league, Oakland's allowed a league-low 180 batting average on ground balls hit to third base. 27 points lower than the next best team, and nearly 60 points lower than the Blue Jays. This is especially important when you consider that no pitching staff in baseball last year induced more grounders to third than Toronto. Exceptionally excited about seeing him uh, on that side of the diamond for us. What makes Chapman different than most third basemen? StatCast tells us Chapman averaged 86 miles per hour on competitive throws to first base. Among the very best in the league in six miles per hour harder than Espinal and Biggio in 2021. That arm strength allows him to play about six feet deeper than Biggio and Espinal did versus righties last year, allowing Chapman to handle more balls hit towards the shortstop third base hole. Known for playing not only a great third base, but a deep third base. Matt has told him, hey, anything that I can get to, I'm going to get to. So Bichette's life at short will be easier for two reasons. He'll have to handle fewer high difficulty plays like ranging deep into the hole or charging in on a slow bouncer. And he'll be able to shade more up the middle, focusing on what the defensive metrics say he does best, going to his left. Chapman will make Biggio a better defensive player because despite being touted as a Ben Zobrist multi-positional type player, Biggio's strongest position is definitely second. So this will allow Cabin to do what he does best. And it'll make life easier and safer for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who was put into some awkward and hazardous situations last year trying to corral errant throws coming across the diamond. Uh, I mean, I think this infield is uh, amazing. Once we get to play with each other and uh, get to know each other a little bit better, you know, who knows what's possible. Let's end with a super stat. Last year, only four teams were top 10 in hitting, pitching, and defense. All four won divisions, and two of them reached the World Series. The Jays were top 10 in hitting and pitching last year, and projections are predicting the same in 2022. If they have a top 10 defense to go along with it, expect, at the very least, a division title come October.
again at down to black on Twitter and if he gets enough followers out of this garbage show he might do more of these things for us so <laughs> go follow please but it is one of the more I'm glad you finished with the super stat and meaningless number that is a super stat without a doubt yeah. one of the more underrated things in baseball the average fan doesn't take into account defense near enough and you remember the J- great Jays teams of the past the back-to-back you know they were so solid up the middle they were so solid in center mm-hmm. field in the move of Kevin Biggio to where he is best will also give him confidence. Like, I think there's a bunch of things in there that made a lot of sense, including the opponent's batting average, the balls hit to third base with the Oakland A's. Like, that's crazy that they were 20 points better than anyone else during Chapman's time. Yeah, I mean, you, you remember sort of the, the two low years at shortstop, and that's when the team was also known for their defense. And I think the Jays kind of got away from that a little bit. They became the boppers. Back right. that, that team was also boppers as well, but they were also really sharp defensively. And now maybe they can go back to being both, and that's going to make for a really good team. Apparently, uh, we'll Apparently. keep an eye on it. We'll keep an eye on it throughout the year. This is—I I understand the hype is really high on this team right now. It's because you throw it into any number, like yeah. whether you're just looking at advanced numbers, whether you're looking at average numbers, whether you're, whether you're throwing it through uh, projections. This team appears to be good. Now we'll see it on the field starting tomorrow, and we'll be there live. Oh, my God. Can't wait. Um, well, we can't end the show without going back to Augusta one more time. Uh, we gave you a little taste off the top of the show, but Chris Vernon's updates from Augusta have become one of our favorite part of parts of Masters Week. Without Here's some of the best stuff that we saw from today. Pimentos and cheese, Jim Nance, rich people. It's the 2022 Masters live at Augusta National. <laughs> yeah, ho! It's your boy! Play me some Pippin, man. Yeah, ho! Yeah, that's what's going on at Augusta, huh? It's going on at Augusta, huh? Send it one to your doma! It's the homie Max Homa! Gonna leave you in a coma! Sleep. It's the homie Max Homa! Cannot behave like that at Augusta National. But everyone loves it. It's so good. What was your favorite line of the ones we just saw? I personally like the. Where's uh, the Charles Schwarzer? Was yeah, that was really good. But the <laughs> sending one to your doma. It's the homie Max Homa. Yeah, I think he was writing down lyrics. Yeah, I think he was writing down lyrics. Pretty, most of the week. pretty darn impressive. Love it though. So so good. Uh, looking forward to three more days of that.
Uh, the Lakers visit the Warriors tonight on Sportsnet 1 at 10 o'clock Eastern. LA, as you know, has already been eliminated from playoff contention, and it seems like LeBron's already thinking about his future. In the latest episode of his HBO, HBO show, The Shop, LeBron was asked which current players he would like to play with, and he answered Steph Curry. Check out Curry's reaction to that comment. Who else you want to play with? Um, in today's game, <laughs> Steph Curry. <Yeah. laughs> Steph Curry's the one that I want to play with. Oh, shoot. The chef. <laughs> you know what? Hey, he might want to play with you next weekend now. That is phenomenal. <laughs> I'm good right now. How's that make you feel, though? I'm good right now. I mean, whenever you get the, uh, the interest or curiosity of what it would be like to play with a Arguably, you know, MVP kind of caliber dude like he is and one of the greatest of all time. Cool. Like, it's amazing. Right. Um, we all can live in that fantasy world, though. I love how he second guessed whether he's going to say the GOAT. Did yeah, you yeah. That? He, was, he went the, to MVP first. The MVP. Yeah. And then he's like, I better say greatest yeah. of all time yeah. because otherwise people are going to find this like they do with LeBron. By the way, LeBron's, LeBron's simply just diverting attention away by saying stuff like that. I don't know when the shop was taped, but the fact that it was released. Like, he's not going to do that again, right? Like, he's not going to try to conjure up another yes. form of super. Why wouldn't he? It's just, it's enough already. It's, he changed He changed the game. That's he changed he the sport. In 2010, the decision, he changed the sport. And now he's going to do it again, probably, because they missed the playoffs. Bye-bye, Russ. Maybe bye-bye, Anthony good luck. Davis. Good luck, bye-bye, Russ. He has a $47 million option for next year. Apparently, Good the, luck, bye-bye, Russ. Apparently, the uh, Hornets are somehow interested in Russell Westbrook, which is uh, yeah, something worth bringing up on the contracts. show, because uh, why would you do that? Maybe halfway through the year, when <laughs> you realize you're done, you would trade for that. Guy. Maybe. Uh, the Canadian women's soccer team continues their celebration hey. tour in British Columbia this weekend with a pair of games against Nigeria. The games will be played Friday at BC Place in Vancouver and Monday at Starlight Stadium on Vancouver Island. And there's plenty to celebrate in addition to their gold medal win in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. There's Burnaby, BC native Christine Sinclair's international goals record. And these will also be the final yes. two games of Stephanie Labbe's career. Can we please give them some porn? I already them? did, but I can do it again. <laughs> yeah. oh, very cool to see my goalkeeper crush, Stephanie Labbe, yes. get a proper send out. Uh, in and around the bank. Nobody more deserving of a celebration tour than that team. That is for sure. And then they start World Cup qualifying. Yeah. And we can watch that the same way we watch the men. Good time to be a soccer fan in this country. That does it for us. So much happening on the network tonight. Penguins and Rangers up next right here on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet. Raptors and Sixers are on Sportsnet 1. Leafs and Stars later on Sportsnet Ontario regionally. Canucks and Flames both in regional action. <laughs> Oilers and Sharks nationally Sportsnet 1 and East. Oh my goodness, do we have a lot of stuff. Thanks for watching live tomorrow, Roger Center.